0: Hello! Welcome to Fave This, we're a podcast about fandom and internet culture and video games occasionally. This time, we're definitely talking about video games. I am Gita Jackson. I am joined by my lovely co-host. It's Patricia Hernandez. It's you! (laughs) It's you! It's so lovely to see you, hear you for everyone else. Um, Today, we're going to do something that we've been meaning to do for a really long time, which is have a spoiler cast about Breath of the Wild. Um, We both really liked this game, I think. Mm But we really wanted to talk about Zelda, who is such a compelling and interesting character in Breath of the Wild. But also, I have some questions about Zelda. <laughs> yeah, we I, I swear, we've been talking about this
1: ever since the game release, and now we just decided to do it. So here's your spoiler warning. Don't keep listening if you have not been the game or if you don't care about what happens. Yeah.
0: A, yeah. If you deeply don't want to know what happens in the bare bones plot of Breath of the Wild then just turn it off. I'm sorry. That's what we're going to do today. <laughs> so, I don't know how much hype played into
1: how I uh interpreted the game, but I definitely think it played some part. I don't know if you remember this back when the game was originally unveiled, uh there was a lot of hope that like the hooded character in the trailer was Zelda and like yeah. do you remember this of people being like enhance this I don't know, arm obviously looks like a woman's arm
0: and like it can't can't be Link. Or just that the character looked like tiny and was shivering, I remember, was like another reason why they thought it wasn't Link, it might be Zelda. A Uh, real man doesn't get cold. (laughs) The conversation was kind of weird. It was like absurd, but like that was the links to people that people wanted it to be Zelda, that mm -hmm. they were making up reasons for this hooded figure they couldn't see to not be Link. And then, of course, the gun. Uh, uh, another
1: trailer comes out, and it's. Link. It's like definitely Link. everyone. I feel like was a little bit disappointed, or at least some some of the people. I was disappointed, at least.
0: Yeah, are like people aren't actually that attached to Link as a character because Link he's by, a blank slate. He's a cipher. There is nothing to Link. He is supposed to represent you. Therefore, he has no personality. Mm-hmm. They could replace Link with a cardboard cutout of just a stone, just a stone, just a rock, corn cob, basically. I mean, the people who um, hashed the Wii U version of this game have replaced Link with uh, Luigi, for example. <laughs> and, you know, it works out just fine. <laughs> or Goku.
1: Yeah, yeah, the mods are wild right now. Oh, they're really good. I think overtly, in tr- in terms of the story, it still kind of followed convention, right? Like, mm-hmm. Link is the hero. Zelda's the princess. Mm-hmm. Ganon is the villain. Yeah. And, like, obviously the game broke convention mechanically in a lot of ways. But, like, narratively...
0: It was more or less what everyone yeah. was ex- uh, was expecting. It was but- like a bare bones version of a Zelda plot, honestly. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, here's, you know, ancient evil, princess to save. There you go. Right. Yeah.
1: But what they did change was like the framing of Zelda herself. Mm-hmm. I remember you wrote this uh, article about how she had changed and like what they were communicating with yeah. her new dress.
0: Yeah. So... She does end up wearing uh, a white, like, very virginal-looking dress at some, some point. But for the most part, when you see her in the game through Link's memories, she is wearing, like, an adventuring outfit that is, like, writing pants and a blue top. Um, and it gives her a more practical, no-nonsense uh, feel, while also still being very princessy. Blue was a color that was very a colored dye that was very hard to manufacture for a long time, so it was something that was rare and only used for royal people. And as well, in our you know, in our universe, has an association with the Virgin Mary for the same reason. Like it's about holiness and um, fragility. Uh, it was a very long. Now it's a, a color associated with like baby boys, but for a very long time, blue was a very feminine color. So it doesn't quite. It presents her as this character, you know, who really wants to be an adventurer, but is being held back by her princessiness.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think just through that change, they were trying to communicate the fact that Zelda ha- like is not quite the character that you knew before mm-hmm. and. Most of this is communicated, like you said, through the memories, and I think we're gonna go through a lot of them because like they're so loaded. Yeah. They're I, I was re-watching them last night and like getting emotional yeah. <laughs> while I was watching them. Um so there's uh, one of the first scenes that I saw in the game, uh, was where uh Zelda is swearing Link in as mm-hmm. her knight and like You hear her voice shaking and, like, she literally stops for a moment to, like, compose herself because she's, like, clearly not okay. Um, She's, like, seems like she's on the verge of tears and you kind of wonder, like, whoa, what's going on here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and then Urbosa, uh, one of the champion characters, remarks that Zelda is acting like this because Link is a reminder of her own failures, which I, yeah immediately when I heard that, I was like, whoa, what's what's going on there? Yeah. Um, And you don't really find out what she means until later scenes when you kind of see Zelda interacting Mm -hmm. with Link, right? Like um, there's that scene where Zelda is strategizing about like what she's going to do to defeat Ganon or whatever. And then she stops and she like looks at Link. She like remembers that Link is there and uh, she asks him how good he is with his sword. And she like... She remarks something about how, like, she's heard that there's like an ancient voice within the sword that guides him, and it because he's the chosen one or whatever. And you kind of get the sense that she's thinking, like, here I am making this like elaborate plan, trying to be brilliant, but I know in the end it's not going to matter because it's going to be you. Like, the prophecy is about you. And
0: then she's also frustrated in later memories by her father, who reminds her more than once, that her role is a passive one. Mm-hmm. She wants to be active. She wants to be out there thinking about how to physically defeat Ganon. But her job is to try to awaken her Triforce power. And she can't do it, mostly because she really doesn't want to do it. You think that's why? I wasn't sure. Because
1: the, the I game... I think
0: she resents like the idea of... Uh, mystical powers, honestly. Mm. She resents the idea of a chosen one because it means that her destiny is also fixed and immutable. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have any other responsibility other than being a conduit for the Triforce power, which she doesn't understand and can't awaken. I mean, to be fair, yeah. like, what the hell would you I'm, do? Honestly, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But
1: yeah, I wasn't sure how to interpret that. So throughout the game, you see her trying to un- unlock the power and she just doesn't know how to... Do it Right. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure to interpret it as like she's not trying hard enough or there's just some bullshit like there's some arbitrary thing yeah. that she has to
0: overcome to to like do it. But I that's mean, interesting that that's how you interpreted it. So basically the entire emotional arc of the game is in these memories. Mm-hmm. So. It's, but because we're Link observing someone else, it's Zelda's emotional arc that we are attached to and watching. So we watch her, you know. God, I just got so mad watching silently because she's like
1: obviously going through something and Link is just standing there. Just standing there. Just fucking standing there. Like, I would
0: be pissed at that too. I'm like, (laughs) he's silent the entire time and just looks at her. Yeah. Like, how is she supposed to interpret any of that? Um, I'm surprised she kept his call.
1: Like, I would just, like, I'd be like, you need to say something. I'm going crazy here. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) I would absolutely lose my mind. I'd be Tahani in The Good place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think (laughs) Zelda's family likes her a little bit better than Tahani's Tahani's family likes her. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, so, like, you're watching Zelda go through an emotional struggle. And I think the real emotional struggle, struggle is her accepting that the Triforce power is something that is actually important and actually mm-hmm. real. And it is something she can do strategically to help. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the game, when you defeat the boss, she fucking tells you everything what you need to do. Yeah, she she's is the still the, the, the strategist. Yeah. You are just a conduit for her power.
1: Yeah, I mean, I
0: still kind of
1: found it infuriating because, I don't know, she's putting... I kind of saw myself in her a little bit. Like, she's putting all this effort to contribute, right? Like, she's obviously like smart and brilliant or whatever and she's like at some point someone tells you that she like keeps a very rigorous routine she puts mm-hmm. herself in danger to like try to do this and like it still doesn't matter like did you get the impression she wants to be a fighter like link yeah. right it's not just that she wants to like find a different way to seal ganon she away. wants
0: to be what link is how you play link in the game she wants to ride off on a horse and collect things and get in fights. She like literally wants to do exactly what Link does. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's so mad that he gets to just do it. And she is scrutinized for all of her choices. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that one memory that really sticks out to me the most is when she is off collecting mushrooms or something, and Link is just there as a bodyguard and not talking, and she just yells at him because <laughs> she wants to be able to do this on her own and yeah. that, without a babysitter. She literally tells him, like, I'm the only
1: one that thinks that I have a mind of my own. Yeah. But there was also a scene where she's like picking these uh flowers. I think they're called like the silent princess. And mm-hmm. she's like it felt really meta how she was like, We've tried growing this plant elsewhere, but it can only grow here. And the question is whether or not the species can thrive on its own. And I was it just made me wonder if Nintendo had like play tested Zelda or something and yeah. like no this is this is the role that she has to have.
0: I yeah. I wasn't sure quite how to interpret that but it seemed very Just like even the name symbolic. of the flower and the way the flower looks the silent princess like, mm-hmm. which is like a really sad concept. It's like not having a voice is like is that robs you of your basic humanity not being able to speak or, for yourself. And the flower itself it looks, you know, like a sad lily. Like lilies are flowers of death. Yeah. It's And that is fundamentally what happens to Zelda is Mm -hmm. she is functionally dead for thousands of years. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that, like,
1: her anger was so palpable because I feel Mm -hmm. like Usually, that's not an emotion things let women have unless it's framing them negatively. Yeah, right. Like if they're being, I don't know, the wet blanket or whatever. But yeah,
0: for her, I definitely felt like it was justified. Like you're supposed to be on her. You're supposed to see it through her eyes. I think that's very deliberate. That like that is the hook, the emotional hook that gets us to care about defeating Ganon is caring about Zelda's struggle Mm -hmm. way less than Link's struggle. Like yeah, it sucks to like wake up naked uh, and like see the world that you used to protect be like a post-apocalyptic nightmare but Zelda well, is the, the Trump's one. America, Link.
1: In a way. <laughs> Hashtag relatable. <laughs> um,
0: but Zelda is the one that had an emotional journey and you want to see her succeed mm-hmm. and by you are enacting Link like giving her an assist, basically. Mm-hmm. Everything that you do plot-wise is about awakening Zelda and allowing her to defeat Ganon like she was always supposed to Mm -hmm. but it still feels gross to play
1: and I mean I can understand where she was coming from like even she couldn't do even small things because of prophecy right like there's this scene where she's trying to go into a shrine and she can't even open the door like it's something as basic as that that she can't do and it's just like a bunch of smaller moments like that that kind of build up this whole like zelda can't be what she wants to be yeah but i also thought it was funny that like you know that zelda isn't just being bratty when when she's being angry and resentful because other characters also kind of shit on link a little bit they're yeah. like a little skeptical of of uh who he is like uh there's Rivali the yeah. the rito champion yeah he, he's like miffed he's like you know I'm a fucking badass, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. And yet <laughs> I'm a motherfucker,
0: I can fly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he's
1: like, and yet I'm just here in this story to be your sidekick. And yeah. I was like, "Damn, like I I felt almost shocked in that moment cuz you're not used to as the player being like belittled by yeah. other characters." Some of the
0: memories did really emphasize the unlikelihood of a like a a Tyrolean boy Mm -hmm. of being chosen as the chosen one there's actually nothing all that remarkable about link except that he can use the master sword Mm -hmm. and that's it
1: yeah i mean it's just it's also just so arbitrary right the idea of being the chosen one like what elevates link to being worthy like that i feel like that word is so loaded right like why can't I what mean, makes, Zelda is worthy, yeah. but
0: she's worthy in a different way, right? Yeah, like, like what makes a hero is the question of these memories because Zelda thinks she has it, but the world keeps denying it to her. She has to take that extra step into accepting something about herself she doesn't want to accept, mm-hmm. which is that the Triforce power is some real shit or whatever. Honestly, what is the Triforce power? I don't, it's <laughs> the game doesn't outright
1: say that it's. The Triforce. Mm. I I mean, you know that that's probably what's going on. But Yeah. yeah, it's like they're all obviously bound by like prophecy and myth and all this. But going back to the idea of like Link deserving this I feel like technically speaking from what you play in the game you see that he doesn't deserve it just because like the game is famed for being really challenging right? Like you die repeatedly in the like earliest levels against like nothing and so like I know it's I know it's a game so it doesn't incorporate that into the story but like you start speaking very technically he's not up to the task like he's He's not worthy of being the champion. It's only through, like, trial and error that you, like,
0: work up yeah. enough uh, skill to be the hero of, of legend. Yeah, you start off so weak. You start off weak and naked with a stick, basically. <laughs> and it's, like, the, there's something metatextual there. Like, the idea is that what the player does is what proves Link's worthiness. worthiness, worthiness. What mm-hmm. the player does is what... Uh, proves Link's worthiness but mm-hmm. it like is kind of thin because well, like Link as a character doesn't really exist so I never feel like I never feel like I'm actually doing anything heroic I feel like I'm fucking around in a video game. Because mm-hmm. e- you are I yeah. mean he's,
1: he's literally going around shirtless Yeah, but I think also if you, if you're thinking about this that if the idea of what makes him worthy is courage and the courage comes from like us repeatedly going through these challenges, even though they're difficult. There's literally no reason that Zelda can't do the same thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's so frustrating because I mean, even though I, I, there's something I really don't like about sort of uh, post-feminist uh, female characters and the way that they are always aligned in a male cast, fem- like the one female character or like the female lead in a majority male cast these characters often get aligned with intelligence being their strength. Mm -hmm. And it's so frustrating because it's like the Hermione Granger thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's good to show that women are intelligent and, you know, but it's not, being smart is not the thing that proves that you are fundamentally a human being. Mm -hmm. And there's also like a lot of different ways to be strong as a woman. Being smart is one of them. But you can be dumb but strong and still like. I mean, have that's what Link's, worth. literally, that's yeah. literally Link. He's yeah. a dumbass. He's a he's a big dumbass. Um, you can be dumb but strong and be like a woman who is still worthy of fundamental like respect mm-hmm. as a as a person. And it's just uh it's the I- this idea that women in order to be worthy of men, they can't overshadow them physically. Mm but can be the one that ones that do all the smart stuff and like right. figure out all the puzzles, giving them like an additional kind of burden without letting them do any of the fun shit, mm-hmm. which like sword fighting, which well, is like what Zelda's going through. But it is like a real problem of, you see this in, you used to see it more in like Saturday morning cartoons and stuff, you know, there was always the the, you know, all the cool fighting boys and the smart girl it was definitely something that bothered me about Harry Potter that Hermione Granger always tapped out really fast when they did the actual adventuring, mm-hmm. um, and then it shows up here like it's very prominent here that like Zelda's whole thing is that she's smart and like that's her. Yeah, because there's thing. like a scene in which
1: she gets like attacked and she's like about to get yeah like hurt and then Link stops yeah like yeah there was like some ninjas or whatever yeah but i think what really added salt to the wound for me is that like she goes through this entire arc of feeling anger and resentment but then just like eventually she just starts to accept that that's her role she yeah. starts like to like link uh and she's like what if i'm just not meant to be a fighter and like you get like and and it starts like aligning her more with like yes I'm just gonna go pray all the time this is what I'm gonna do this is this is my my role, and, but at the same time there's like something that feels really weirdly modern about this like uh, the idea that you're like promise a certain future right like mm-hmm. in this case that they're going to defeat Ganon because he's the hero of legend and she's the whatever her yeah. official title is like. And then struggling to figure out what your role is within that, and like just being frustrated that you can't live mm-hmm. up to what you're supposed to do, what everyone tells you that you're supposed to do. So in that sense, this
0: story feels like a very millennial yeah. Zelda. Yeah. Um, Nobody's in debt, but basically <laughs> something that I I relate to. Um,
1: and the way that this is all framed, it's all for the build up, right? Of when she eventually does. Uh, figure out how to use her power at that, like one of the, I don't know, in like the last third of the memories or whatever. She, like, f- she finally does it and it's like, it's so emotional, you feel it. Mm-hmm. Then when she finally does it, you're like, shit, this is it. Yeah. And Zelda's doing it. Because um, she spent so long trying to do it. So, in in that sense, I will give kudos to the story because it obviously achieved what it wanted to. But at the same time, like, when Link actually starts fighting Ganon, uh, that's when you see Zelda again. Because in, in mm-hmm. the present, she's locked away and, like, holding Ganon back. She's been praying this entire fucking time. Like, the first scene that you see her back, she's, like, still holding her hands up, like, in, in the prayer position. Um And, like, it's Link that fights Ganon, but it's Zelda who actually, like, seals him away. Mm-hmm. And I feel... Conflicted about that moment, because, like, ostensibly, you can make the argument that she saves the day and is yeah. the real hero. But, like the way that she does it, like becoming his guide, like praying for him, having to wait for having yeah. to wait literally a hundred years for this stupid
0: ass to come back, yeah, um, like if, if the narratively, it does give Zelda a lot of agency, mm-hmm. but like in actually playing it. Zelda is like a ghost throughout mm-hmm. that entire game. Like, actually, in the actual plot of the game, Zelda is more or less the main character. She's the hero, but we see her maybe like there's how many memories are there? Like twelve memories, no, and they're no, all I can't like remember the exact number, but there's around ten, and they're all less than ten minutes long. They're all about two to three minutes long. It's about a half hour of Zelda actually being in the game, mm-hmm. and then the stuff that she does is really passive background stuff. Praying and waiting. Yeah, I and mean, like, wishing, just, you know? Yes.
1: And it all feels like in service of, like, the empowerment of Link, right? Yeah. Like, she's a plot device for Link to get a prize at the end. Cause, like, the game is literally like, okay, you've. Zelda zeal- sealed Ganon away now that you fought him. Here's the princess now. Here she comes. Like,
0: in. Yep. Uh, and- even the idea if he, is the player has gotten attached to her now, so like now we're happy to see her, but she is still like a literal prize.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like even in the crucial moment when she finally learns how to use the power, it's not because she realized something deep inside of her. It's to save Link. Yep. It's because
0: of it's. She just had to realize that she actually lo- loved Link a whole lot. And I mean, I guess he's pretty. <laughs> he is pretty. He's kind of cute, but like I mean, it's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> So
1: in the very very final scene uh in the true ending or whatever yeah. uh she's back in her outdoorsy attire. She's not wearing the like the white gown. Yeah. Um and she tells you that she wants to go out to do all these different things. Like I think one of the one of the beasts is like broken down. She's like we got to go fix that. We got to go this do this and that. And I feel like where the game ends that's the game that I want to play cuz I want to see what happens afterward when she's not being tied down by prophecy or yeah. expectation or link even like Yeah. Cuz Link already fulfilled his destiny. I feel like the the weight of like no, of of his shadow isn't as strong there. Um and I just I Want to know what her her story is now? Like, I want to know who she is yeah. when she actually gets to write her own story—not her dad, not Link, not the yeah. champions.
0: I. It's sort of like. Uh... Spider-Man, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man that is was like a good movie. That was not where I was expecting you to go. But then Spider-Man 2 is so much better because we're free of the, like the Uncle Ben and res- oh. like responsibility stuff. Spider-Man 2 is just a story about a young man that is in an unusual situation trying to make a romance work. Mm-hmm. It's a much more interesting movie. And, like, that's true of most superhero movies. The sequel is better. God! Like, we feel like, you know, this is an origin story for a really interesting character. And, like, Breath of the Wild 2, what Zelda's journey into her own first, her own self-directed adventure, that is absolutely what I want to play. Now that you mention it, I think that's what gives
1: me a little bit of fatigue about the boom of superhero movies mm. right now is that so many of them are origin stories, and they're origin stories that I've heard a million times, yeah. and especially with Spider Man, which keeps rebooting oh every gosh. five years. I am so bored of seeing Peter Parker learn how to like
0: start being Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm done. Just, I'm so over it. I'm completely over it. Um, like, yeah, I mean, you look at Thor is, like, a great example. Thor 3 is great, and that's because they don't got to explain shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, like, really don't. In fact, they destroy everything, and it's really satisfying. Um, and, like, the more you have to sort of build up the sort of character motivation, the more you feel, like, leaden and, like, weighed down by a host of lore. And, like, mm-hmm. it's not like there's a lot of lore in Breath of the Wild, but... Once you're free of the trappings of like a very bare bones basic fantasy story, there's so much possibility to where you can take that character, like literally the only full character in the game and the game's just over. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think part of my conflict is that like you can say that it's a good story, right? Like I wouldn't
0: get this worked up if
1: it were a bad story. This is the first time in a long time that I've actually... Given a shit about the story in a Zelda game, yeah. Like I think that in and of its own is notable, but I also just kind of hate that it works because it's like playing off of fans' desire to see uh, see Zelda in her like coming into her own, being the kind of hero that Link yeah. is. Like this wouldn't work if a bunch of fans didn't want to see Zelda be Link, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um. And they're they're tapping into that desire in a way that kind of allows them to have their cake and eat it too. And I know that there's a lot of baggage around a series like Zelda. Like the series itself is so steeped in tradition, right? Like you need certain elements for it to be recognized as a Zelda game. Um, And I think a lot of people will defend Nintendo's decisions for that reason. They'll say like, that's the way that it's always been. Um, And usually that sort of thing doesn't quite bother me for, like, older games. Like, for example, I don't think there's something, like, innately wrong with having the princess be damseled.
0: It's just boring. Like, yeah. that, like it doesn't bother me. It's, it's kind of harmless. It's just boring. I wouldn't mind Zelda being saved if she was actually present in the game. Hmm. Like, if she wasn't just present in cutscenes, mm-hmm. If she was in the game, if we could play as her even for just a little bit... It, you know I, And fundamentally, I don't ma- mind plots very much where a woman has to be saved by a man. It like doesn't bother me. It's like I have so many other complaints about media that that is mm-hmm. one that does not stick out to me. But here, it's just like I'm very happy that we get to free Zelda from a lot of things that are weighing her down. I just am frustrated that it comes at the expense of her actually being present mm-hmm. around us in the game. Yeah,
1: and I, I think it just irks me the way that Nintendo tends to handle this uh trofe. Like, you and I were talking about Mario Odyssey yeah. recently, which also does something like, it's, again, I want to reiterate that like Zelda, it is a absolutely fantastic game. But uh, it just irks me to see that like, it's not just that Peach is getting kidnapped, that. I mean, at this point, it's fucking Mario. That's just what they do. Yeah. But the fact that they have to make Cappy also have a female version of Cappy get yeah. kidnapped. It's, it's just, like, why do you have to do you this, You don't Nintendo? need to do that. Like, you're being <laughs> so extra right now. And I don't know if they, like,
0: like why think it's just make, funny. Like, why did you a cute female hat? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> why did you gender hats? Like, get out of here. It's also, like, we talked briefly about this over at Slack DMs. So, but, like, who... Peach is the only person in the world that doesn't want to marry Bowser.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like he goes so out of his way to throw, like, the most dope wedding ever. She's, like, stealing the best flowers and stealing the best dress. Honestly,
0: anyone else would see that as an incredible gesture. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks fantastic, honestly. Um, But... I mean, there's something really doesn't sit well with... If she was just kidnapping her, that would be fine. But they, like, really emphasize the wedding stuff. And I'm like, she gets to choose who she marries, right? Like, that's something that she gets is allowed to do. Is that okay? <laughs> but, um, honestly, there is some cool stuff. Like, the stuff they do with Pauline is, like, super mm. cool. You know, like, Pauline is the original Damsel in Distress from the Donkey Kong and now she's the fucking mayor of New York City. She mm-hmm. has like a jazz band.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really like, cool. really cool. Oh <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are celebrating that. And I would speak more to how, how they handle Peach, but I actually haven't gone through the entirety of this game. I know mm-hmm. it's not as simple as she gets kidnapped because, like, eventually she comes back and she has like a. A role to play in the yeah. post game or whatever. She's but like a little bit
0: more present. I think yeah. I also haven't. Gotten she like over goes there yet. on adventures or something. So she gets a bunch of really cute outfits. It's really great. I've seen some of those. Oh okay. She I has know, like, she like a little safari, like pink safari outfit. It's like oh, so yeah. adorable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry if you guys wanted us to d- dive into that. That <laughs> this when is a Zelda there. spoiler cast. We'll have a, a Mario quote unquote spoiler cast that when spends we're... an hour talking about how. Bowser is the final boss. I don't
0: know. I don't know. <laughs> god, we could. I mean, our. I feel like our Mario spoiler cast would just born be like talking about just Bowser in general. Bowser's dope wedding. Bowser's wedding looks a little bit like Gucci Mane's wedding. Oh my god! Just like a little bit. <laughs> he does not have a diamond encrusted sword, but not he could. Yet. He could. It, I wouldn't bow an eye if Bowser had a diamond across his sword. He cut. probably does. Honestly, we should ask him. <laughs> God, yeah, Breath of the Wild. It's just frustrating, you know. Mm-hmm. It like it comes nine, goes ninety percent of the way of being what I want, what I hoped for, mm-hmm. and then it like backtracks so much into like re enforcing a lot of the same boring tropes that Nintendo can't let go of.
1: And like to be clear, I don't necessarily think this ruins the game. Like I'm still very fond of it. Mm. I think, I just look at it as something like, here's this incredible game that has all these amazing elements and it would be even better if they had taken these steps to like not basically redo a lot of their like fumbles with how they treat female characters in their games.
0: I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. I don't really think Nintendo is even all that interested in changing these plots. No. Especially with how well Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey have reviewed and sold. And I mean, they are both really fucking good games. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not really even a Mario person, but I bought Super Mario Odyssey and I absolutely love it. And Breath of the Wild is one of my, you know, it, it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal game could it be even, it could have been better. even even better and like it it's frustrating. like it's not doesn't make me mad i'm not outraged or offended i'm just frustrated because i feel like they could have so much more like nintendo has really made a big turnaround with the switch and all the games that have come out on switch mm-hmm. just in terms of um cultural saturation mm-hmm. but they could have more and they're just leaving it on the table it's like they kind of don't care at all. You know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but that's what it feels like. Pocket Camp. All right. So the other thing, yeah, it's Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is a game that I've played a lot of
1: <laughs> You week. sound
0: so thrilled. Uh, well, as you know, and it's probably already out for our, the people that are listening to this, I'm working on a review of Pocket Camp, and I've had to sit down and really sit with my feelings about mm. it. And you sound really conflicted about it. I'm so conflicted about this game. Animal Crossing is one of my favorite game series of all time. It means a lot to me. It is so relaxing and meditative, fundamentally, a kind, honest game. Even though, like, the actual bare bones plot of it is that you are in debt, like, and have a predatory loan from this, like, you know, skeezy businessman. You, like, never have to pay off that loan. Yeah, you You, don't have to worry about it. You just get to play the game exactly how you want to play, as long as you want to play it, and it doesn't make time demands of you. I'll be honest. Like, the first
1: time that I I was a late comer to Animal Crossing, I didn't upgrade my house for the longest time. Yeah. I just... I I think I just didn't even know how to do it. Or, yeah, yeah, I kept spending my bells on other stuff, and I, I, like, kind of took it as a challenge to, like, try to decorate a very teeny tiny house. yeah.
0: But yeah, you can just ignore it. You cannot care. Yeah, I mean, the only thing the game penalizes you for are not coming back for a long time, like a month. I remember in the GameCube, GameCube version, there would be cockroaches under your furniture. You'd have to stomp them all if you didn't wow. come back. Yeah. Yeah. It was like actually kind of a cool feature. The only thing like that and like the villagers might move away and like that kind of stuff. Oh, um, yeah. And the other thing it penalizes you for is for turning it off without saving. Those are the only two things that are like bad to do is like not come back. And you don't even have to come back for a long time in Animal Crossing. You just have to come back like once a day. Mm-hmm. And, or like once every other day, and the animals will all be happy with you. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I always found it funny when I came back after a really long
1: time because I'd be like, oh, I kind of want to talk go talk to this bear and then i turn it on and none of the animals that i that i knew are still there and then i'll be
0: like oh i don't really know these guys i guess i'm not gonna play (laughs) yeah it's like going back visiting the year old college campus like they're the same but they're not the same or like when you suddenly get this urge to like look up old classmates and you're like what the fuck who are you (laughs) So many people I went to middle school with that got married and shit, it's super weird. Um, I think a couple of them have kids, which just super weird. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a game, while it is like manipulative, like all games are manipulative, they encourage you to make like one-sided relationships with fictional constructs so that you will play it and do what it asks of you. Um, it doesn't feel like it's sleazy. Or it doesn't feel like it's taking advantage. Mm -hmm. It just wants you to take it slow and like take in half an hour every day, every other day Mm -hmm. to hang out in this tiny little world.
1: Yeah, it's like a very deliberate zen game, meditative even, like it's about the ambiance and like being in this very chill space. My
0: favorite thing about New Leaf is that in the sort of main strip of town where all the shops are, if you go all the way to the left side of the screen um you will find a bench. And there's no purpose for that bench. You can just sit there. You just sit there. And you hear the wind go through the trees. Sometimes you hear birds. And sometimes you just watch the sun go down as like the time changes. And it You know feels what? I'm nice. almost shocked that
1: people like that Animal Crossing has never been wrapped up in like arguments of like that's not a game. Yeah. Cuz like we were talking about this earlier about how the things that you do in it are like so simple. There's like
0: it's. I mean, that's not, not a dig. Lot. That's yeah. not a dig. I love this franchise. I, mean, I think it might just be about the number of collectibles, which is mm-hmm. such a sad way to put it. But like, I mean, this is what I'm trying to address in, you know, what it, what makes Pocket Camp feel different from that, because it does feel different, even though it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's stripped down a lot of features. There's less things to collect. And instead of having randomly generated towns and animals, there's like a a limited set of animals you'll find. And um it's a smaller, more compact game, like there's no fossils or there's no digging. Um you don't have to plant trees or wait for them to grow or or water flowers or anything like that. But it feels meaner and more cynical. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's asking more of you as a player. I think that's it. I'm still trying to work the, out what it is. Do you think it's just the timers? Part of it's the visible timers. And that really bothers me. I didn't realize it would bother me. Because, like, the game is, is about waiting in the main games. Yeah. But, like, not know, like, well, you
1: know that it's going to take a day for the fruit to come back. Yeah, but you can't but, time it down to the second.
0: Right. Like, you know. There's something menacing about, like, yeah. knowing the exact timing of it. You know in, in Pocket Camp every three hours you should be logging in. And that, I think it's that especially, because if you know that every three hours you should be checking in on something, that is a little bit more frantic than every day, every other day or so. Yeah. and There's more anxiety to it. Yeah. um, I was saying to you on the walk over to the studio, it was um, Animal Crossing is like living in a small town. And pocket camp is a little bit more like living in a city. There's just, like, a little bit more pressure on you at all times. Like, there's more pressure for you to pick up your furniture when Cyrus is done with it because you need that slot. You only have one slot to make furniture with, mm-hmm. so you better know when the, your furniture's ready so you can work on your next thing. There's pressure to build all these expensive things so that your villagers will come visit your camp. And um, there's pressure to visit every three hours and complete everyone's quests, Cause you know, everyone will have three quests and like you, you need to do them cause you need crafting materials and mm-hmm. it feeds into itself in a series of systems that were not present in the mainline games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are systems that are designed to get, keep you coming back in a way where like animal crossing, the actual mainline story, the mainline games honestly, it doesn't care whether or not you come back. It doesn't care if you play. It just it or keeps not. going. It just keeps going. The town that you made will exist no matter what. And with Pocket Camp, if you don't keep playing it, you're going to get left behind. And basically, it's it
1: like the more you play, the more timers you get, so the more waiting there is, and like the more aware you are of the waiting. Mm-hmm. Like the more it tests how long you're willing to wait, and yeah. like how whether or not you're willing to pay to wait
0: less. Like yeah. Yeah, you it's can, a, always a challenge. They, every time you have a timer, there is like always a reminder of like, or oh, you can use a leaf ticket. Yeah, if you don't want to wait for this, you could use a leaf ticket if you want to.
1: So and- it's weird because like they haven't changed the design of the game in as much as like Animal Crossing has always been about waiting. Yeah, they've just monetized the fact that you have to wait now.
0: And, you know, I've been thinking about it. I've actually got a pretty good stockpile of leaf tickets. You um, Oh, do you, oh, you just, uh, do you earn them through
1: normal gameplay? or You earn them you through the them? quests.
0: Okay. So you, like, um, some of the quests, never the timed, the daily quests, but some of the stretch goals that are, like, not timed quests, they'll give you leaf tickets. Um, there's a limited amount of leaf, t- t- leaf tickets you can earn from that, but I've got, like, 300. And you'll also get... Uh, 10 leaf tickets every time you go up a level and that's like a little bit more reliable like you'll probably always get 10 tickets like every other day or like if you're very dedicated to playing every day mm-hmm. so it's very easy to stockpile them if you never use them and that means you can use them on some of the more expensive stuff like however like you know some of the paint jobs for your camper van cost like 150 leaf tickets wow and they're like the nice ones right And that means if you want them, you know, that is like, that is another challenge for you as a player. You could just wait, like you've always waited to earn up the bells to pay off your debt. Yeah,
1: although I I feel like in the main games,
0: if you told me this costs a 100,000
1: bells, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be a grind to get them, but you can get them that same day. Yeah, You don't have to wait 10 days to be able to earn whatever it is.
0: Yeah. You might have to wait for Tom Nook to build it, right? Like, I I remember there being something about, like... multiple days you'd have to wait until your, like, house, your new upgrades to your house was ready. Mm -hmm. Um, But that would be the main hurdle, you know, especially with the bank account system in in all of the Animal Crossing games, if you, every time you made some money you put away, like, 50 bells, you would be able to earn up the money for that expensive item in, 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 like, almost no time. Mm -hmm. Um... It's like real-life budgeting. Um, but in, in Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, it's not a matter of grinding. It's a matter of, are you going to just spend some money now? Mm-hmm. Like, that is the challenge.
1: I'm curious. What is the most ridiculous or silly thing an animal
0: has asked you to build before <sighs> they will visit? So Bo is a new character. Not Bo. It's Bud. This new character I got. He's basically uh the big Lebowski. Okay. Yeah. He ends his catchphrase is man. It's he's the big I love the catchphrases. I know, me too. <laughs> it's like there's so many things I still like about this, right? Like I love all the characters. Isabel's there. The clothes are there. Does the, she like, play much of a role? She is your tutorial. Oh, um okay. and she shows up in some cutscene stuff. Like when you have a no, I want her to visit. New amenity. Yeah, I want her to in my camp. I'm sure there's gonna be some kind of event. <gasps> Oh my god, the Isabel event! Oh my god, I'm gonna die. I wonder when her birthday is because that would probably be. When I was her literally vengeance.
1: just thinking that, but then I was like, wait a minute, I don't. Do they have? Oh, they do have birthdays. They do have birthdays. Mm.
0: Yeah, Both? there's probably
1: like an official canon lore, like yeah, that's been established for like years, and I've been forgetting
0: her <laughs> birthday for years. Now I feel bad. We should have an Isabel Day if <gasps> there's not one in Pocket Camp. But so, um, so, so Bud. Mm-hmm. One of the things he wants you to build is a fucking porta potty. <laughs> you should have posted about that. You should have been like, uh, what the fuck? Hey, hey dude, are you sure? Are you sure you need this? <laughs> are you okay? Are you, are you, do you having are you, problems? You, you go to a doctor. They might be able to help you out. <laughs> I don't know if I need to build you a toilet, man. And then, like, one of them also just wants you to build, like, an entire child's playground. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. It's kind of weird. Like, There are no children in that game. No, there's just adult animals. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you know, the requests are very, very specific. One other thing I've noticed, like, the the weird quirks of it are things that I like, actually. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed is, like, every time I get new quests rolled, I always need, like, eight or nine fruit beetles. Like, every single villager... Constantly wants fruit beetles, and I'm like, "What is so special about these fucking They're eating beetles? them? <laughs> oh God! Some of them might be, some of them are birds, some of them are birds, which okay, eat bugs. yeah, you know. But I just like I it. I, everyone always wants fruit beetles. Shit, that specific I've, item, I never have enough.
1: I've never actually thought about this. How some of the animals in Animal Crossing are technically predator and prey. Yeah, and like, what do they? First of all, it's cool that they have achieved peace within one another with with one another. But then sometimes they'll be like, "Give me a fish." So you know they're probably going to eat the fish yeah. because they're not just going to keep the fish
0: in a corner just like rotting. Yeah, like how is the bear getting along with all these dogs?
1: And how do and how like, is there squirrels. a distinction of like
0: these animals are sentient, so we're not going to eat them, but these animals are stupid. That's true. <laughs> that is the problem of Pokemon, also. Like, w- are there non Pokemon animals in that universe? If so, do they eat those? Or do they eat Pokemon? They eat Pokemon. They absolutely eat Pokemon. Well, the- Pokemon Slowpoke Tails are a delicacy Yeah, so they you talk know about them all the time. All the time. So you know that they're edible at the very least. And like, the really creepy, like, moo cow milk is a thing, also. Although, I
1: wonder if it's like a. It's not that it's taboo, but it's like, because the games always do this thing where you have to pay an incredible amount to be able to uh, have a Slowpoke tail, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, I think you can't actually buy them because it's, like, so highly priced. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if eating Pokemon is just, like, the most extreme delicacy because it's very dangerous to yeah. to try to fight them, never mind capture them. That's true. Like, slowpoke
0: are very strong. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. This is true. It's like difficult to defeat some slow folks, depending on what your Pokemon team is like. But the world of Pokemon is so weird. Let's have an episode just about eating Poke- <laughs> the, what's
1: <laughs> what Pokemon. What's the most delicious Pokemon
0: would taste like?
1: I feel th- I feel like there's lore about this. Is, aren't they like crunchy but sweet or something weird? Well, they're pink, so I'm just assuming they're 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 like sweet. sweet. Yeah, I swear there's some dialogue about how they taste, and I was kind of like, ugh,
0: I don't want (sighs) to think about that. Yeah, because then you have to think about like frying like bird, poke bird eggs. What does Pikachu taste like? I don't want to (laughs) know. I don't want to know. Just if you apply any logic to these universes at all, they fall apart. All right, viewer, uh, listeners, if you
1: had to eat one Pokemon, which Pokemon would you eat? Please and let why? Us know. And what do you think it would taste like? Please let us know. I I and what understand. Pokemon would you absolutely not eat under any circumstances? Trubbish and why?
0: <laughs> it's a fucking pile of garbage. Not but eating the garbi- that. But the garbage could have food in it. I mean, I'm not that desperate. <laughs> I can buy some food. You know, I don't need to. So is Trubbish? Eat trubbish. Is Trubbish? the bag or the things inside I of the bag I don't know Trubbish as a Pokemon like confounds me it doesn't make any sense to me that one and the one that's just a, a floating sword those are two Pokemon that I the look floating at them sword and I'm is, like isn't
1: it the ghost is animating the swords I think so but yeah. it's like it is just
0: literally a sword
1: like you just—it it is a sword. little, uh, yeah. It's one of those things you don't want to think about too much because it's like this cute rat is like getting stabbed by a sword yeah. repeatedly.
0: That <laughs> and like Drifloon, the one that seals children. Yeah, there's Pokemon's too much sometimes. I don't. I just, That's kind of why I like it. Yeah, it's so—it's not so much
1: that the games are good; mm-hmm. they're fine. It's more just the lore is ridiculous and the fandom is incredible. Yeah, real is really what That's I enjoy about true. them.
0: That's very true. Yeah. The Pocket Camp, it's, it's not that I hate it. I don't hate it. And it's not that I'm trying to be negative about it. I want to like it. I love Animal Crossing. But the way that it's designed, I just can't help but have reservations about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like an Animal Crossing game to me. So I feel like it is constantly putting pressure on me to keep coming. And like that is not actually what I like about Animal Crossing mm-hmm. games. I like the stuff that is still in the game. I like talking to villagers and making friends with them. I like decorating I would have played camp, that game you know? if,
1: if, like, you can't even do much. It's yeah. just mostly talking to the villagers. Yeah. I would have played that game. If or, it like, was more what like if it a... was, like, uh, fuck, what's the cat game? Were you, like, Neko... Oh,
0: Neko Para. Neko Atsume? No, yeah, Neko Atsume. Neko Para is a hentai if game. If it was, like... <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if it was, like, Neko Atsume and you, like, visit your town and, like, there's just a random villager and you tap him and he says something new and you can do something with him. Yeah, them, that and would be they, great. like,
0: And if it was dependent on, like, how what furniture styles you had in your camp, like, kind of like Neko Atsume, where you have to leave out different kinds of cat furniture yeah. and they'll come visit... Like if it, if you still did you know if you still you got to lure the the bear know, with the porta potty you got to leave a porta potty. Yeah, gotta leave a yeah, porta potty out. out yeah, <laughs> God. Um, like if it was still you know the same core gameplay loop where you go and you you know collect fruit and fish and catch bugs and you sold them for bells and crafting materials. Hell, why not? And you still made furniture, but you were trying to get villagers to come visit your camp by making the best camp ever instead of having to make specific furniture that they mm-hmm. want and every three hours fulfill their new quests and all that kind of stuff. So this is why, even though I'm a huge
1: Animal Crossing fan, I have not downloaded this game just out of fear. I I'm, I'm I mean, there's a lot of cool fandom happening around it. Yeah. People seem, seem really? to be hyped about it. Cute but...
0: fan art. I love what people are doing, like making headcanons about their favorite villagers and stuff like that. I mean, all of this just makes me hope that they're not going to kill a potential Switch version because they already did this. Yeah, I told you last time how much money I would pay for Animal Crossing on Switch. A lot of money. It's a lot of money. I would pay, no joke, up to $150 for Animal Crossing on the Switch. Like, I'm very serious about that. I sat down and I thought about a number and I was like, you know what, if it... Even if it didn't really come with some extra shit, I like I would. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean,
1: the the thing that excites me is that they've been relegated to uh, handhelds for so long. Yeah. And now they're going to have so much space to put stuff in the game yeah. and potentially do more features. So yeah. really crossing my fingers that this doesn't explode so much that then they have no reason to do the Switch version. Although on the other hand... I feel like there's just been a deluge
0: of Animal Crossing stuff. Like, Well, there's been some bad spinoffs. Like, nobody really liked Amiibo Party or whatever that was.
1: Yeah, I was kind of sad. Yeah. I would have played that game. I was kind of into the idea of it. But yeah, no one really played that game. There's Happy Home Designer. I liked Happy then Home there Designer. there were the cards.
0: Yeah. Happy Home Designer was a little thin, but I did like a chance to just play around with the furniture that mm-hmm. was available in the game without any... Just like a a sandbox style thing. And the favorite thing, my favorite thing I liked about it also was they made it really easy to visit other people's towns and see the houses they had decorated. Mm -hmm. Um, And like they had this cool like interactive rating system that was really fun. I liked all that stuff. The social stuff on that was really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was just a little bit not enough to do. Yeah. so. I just wish they could get a full size happy home designer inside of a full size Animal Crossing game and they put that on the Switch. Ooh. That would be my ideal thing. But Pocket Camp. It's, read our review. Read my review. I got a lot of feelings about this game. Uh, I still love Bo. <laughs> He's my favorite boy. <laughs> Was that
1: before or after the
0: porta potty? God. No, Bo. What Bo wants you to make is like really cute hipster furniture. Oh, he wants you to make a ranch bed and like a green like wooden desk. It's like all refurbished like furniture. And He comes over and you just look like it's a out of an anthropology catalog. Oh, that's right, right, right. Yeah. Have you? Bo had... is a cute dear boy. Okay. Yeah.
1: Have you had? Someone asks you for a pizza? or What's the deal? I've seen screenshots of, like, okay. this pizza's
0: going to take seven hours to make. There or- is someone that asked for pizza. I haven't met them yet. But I know that, for some reason, pizza takes eight hours to craft. <laughs> wow. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, you're asking a furniture builder to make you a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, maybe he's just really confused about what he's got to do. But. I feel like most pizzas I've made have not taken that long. Yeah, even if you're, pizzas are really simple to yeah. make. Maybe he has to drive to the store and get like a pizza stone and like <laughs> buy all the ingredients and he has to look up a recipe and maybe he like fucks up the first batch, but, or maybe he's just trying to make all this pizza with a blowtorch, but <sighs> we don't know. We can't know. We don't know. I'm still not over the porta potty thing though. Like, I mean the character, Bud. I don't think I want him in my camp. One, because I don't want to waste the bells on a porta potty. Two, because it's just like the, the, but it's just like so, mu- the degree to which they make him like the Big Lebowski is astounding to me. Is it a Big Lebowski
1: joke it's... to want a porta potty?
0: Although, you know what? We're making fun of it, but I, if you're in a camp, it kind of makes sense to yeah. have a porta potty. Well, he's a bear, and as the saying goes, do bear shit in the woods? This one doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's not another port thing is probably not the Big Lebowski joke, but he just, like, he has the same sunglasses, and he's not mm. wearing a robe, but he is wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and he does end every sentence with man, and he does look a little bit like like the Lebowski. Big Lebowski. He does look a lot like him, except if he was a bear. Um, and I'm surprised they got away with that. And I wonder if people actually, if I'm the only one that thinks that, but I feel like that he's supposed to be the Big Lebowski. Um... It's a movie I should watch again. I feel like that movie is good, but I don't know for sure. But, yeah, I mean, read my review. I'm going to be writing it as soon as we're done recording. Uh, okay, this is great. So we have a review from William Zabka from November 30th, Five Star Review. And it's the title of the review is Just a Fun Time. And he writes, I love tuning in every week. This is a fun podcast that will always make me, uh, make me laugh. Uh, but isn't afraid to take on tough topics in gaming. Thank you so much for making my hour and a half commute to school every day entertaining. Thank thank you. Thank you for listening. That's very sweet. I'm glad that we get... It's a very long commute to school. So I'm glad that you have something fun to listen to in that time. And I'm glad that it does, especially. Uh, So you should, if you have things that you want to say about our podcast, you should leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you can find our podcast because it really helps with visibility. It doesn't matter how many stars you give us, honestly. Just the feedback is great, and please do it. That would be great. Um, As for us, I think that we are done for today. So as always, I'm Keita Jackson. I'm here with Patricia Hernandez. Um, If you have questions for us, you can email us at at kotaku.com or tweet at us with the hashtag favethis. Um, I do check that hashtag, so please do. <laughs> um, you can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and I think most places where podcasts are found. And yeah, just throw us a review or a thumbs up or a rating. It does actually help, and we do read them. Uh, we want to thank Executive Director of Audio Mandana Mofidi as well as Levi Sharp. Shout out. He's over in the booth over there. (laughs) Um, And we also want to thank uh, Mellow Makes for making our theme music and Stuart Wood for making the music that plays right before the commercials. Um, And I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.